0: Dot app slash breadbox. Judy Hare was a bankrupt, homeless, drug-addicted college dropout on the brink of divorce, but is now a seminary graduate and devoted wife and mother of four children. What happened? Find out in her autobiography, Shattered, How God Restored My Heart and Life. Her journey of faith has been called Brutally Honest, Truly Inspiring, Profound, Heartbreaking, and Life-changing. Shattered is available now for only $15 on her website, JudyHare.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local Catholic bookstore. As Judy says, it is never too late to become the person you deserve and desire to be. So stop wishing for change and and start doing something about it by reserving your copy of Shattered today. Welcome to Journey with Judy, a weekly podcast filled with faith-infused inspiration, information, and an opportunity for implementation. Now, here is speaker, coach, author, and host, Judy Hare.
1: Thank you for joining Judy Hare for the Journey with Judy webinar. I am Judy Hare. I am your host, and our topic tonight is not feeling the love. So why is it that we are so intentional about wanting to receive love and give love, yet oftentimes we are not feeling it? So I was mindful as I was preparing for tonight's podcast I was mindful about a time when our son—I think he was 16—and he went over to a young lady's house to spend some time, watch a movie, and so we made it clear: when you get there, send us a text. That—that that just and now for some reason I'm not sure about any of you. In my house, our children have a really hard time with us wanting to know where they are when they're going to be back. Um, I like to remind them that it's really just a common courtesy when you live with someone that you just let them know you know where you are. And so after not hearing from our son for 15 minutes and 20 minutes and what seemed to be a lifetime, uh, I decided to do what any mother would do. I got, I said to Bob, we're getting in the car and we are going to this person's house. So my, you know, Bob, he's very accommodating. So he's like, okay. So we got in the car and I just remember my son telling me the development that the young lady lived in I didn't have her address well that wasn't going to stop me because I loved him I wanted to show him how much I loved him so we pulled up to in this cul-de-sac and Bob says you know there's our car he's obviously there and I go well I'm obviously here too so I don't want this trip to be a waste so I rap 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 knocked on the door This woman answered it and she's like, can I help you? And I said, yes, I'm Chandler's mother and this is Chandler's father. And she's like, okay. So I said, we're just here to make sure Chandler's here. Now he's a 16 year old trying to make a good impression on this girl. I didn't, I never made a good impression, my friends. Never, ever, whatever did I make a good first impression. And so in that moment I felt that we were showing profound love for our son. Bob, did he feel the love that night? I'm guessing not. He did absolutely not feel the love. I don't think he talked to me for about a month after. And in my mind, I felt that I was showing him my love, my concern, uh, affirming that you know I'm his mom and I want to know where you are and what you're doing and your safety is first and foremost. Needless to say, he was not feeling the love that evening. Now, I could bore you with a sleepover of instances where my love showed up as um, conditional, expectant, judgmental, that would be just to name a few. And the misconception back then for me was that I was loving them. And I was really loving them then to the best of my ability when in reality, they did not almost ever really feel loved in the way that would have fostered a greater connection. Inspired communication or would grow intimacy between us. Actually, it was a disconnector. So the thing about love is it's talked about and then turned upside down. When it's really demonstrated, it can turn any relationship around. So I was unaware that the impact my love was having did not match the intention, right? So the unintended impact was distancing of my children rather than a connection with them so the topic tonight is loving and the five love languages is the content that i'm going to be unpacking a little bit so if love if language is words spoken or unspoken or even written in the form of communication it's also defined as a system of communication used by people right the urban dictionary says Uh, language is something we preach about and don't do very well. So I'm an expert at this too. So those of you, you know, hear me say I'm an expert at a lot of things, and it's usually things, an expert, because I have a lot of experience. Doesn't mean I did it well or right. Oftentimes I did it wrong and terrible. So I have a ton of experience communicating language to my children and to the people I love. And I usually did it by, you know, telling them what to do. And then if they didn't comply, I would sell them on why they should do what I think. And then if those two things didn't work, I would yell at them to get them to comply. So either I had defiant or compliant people in my life, and it was never the way God wants us to love Him or others because we want to, not because we've been forced to, right? So the five love languages are a a body of work, allowing us to recognize how to best communicate, to connect and to grow intimacy with the people that we love. I would assume that we all have an intention for that to happen. So first learning how we feel loved and then being able to learn how other people feel loved. So tell, sell, yell, does not end in the same result as learning somebody's love language. So here's the thing. We all have a primary, oftentimes a secondary love language. So our love language is how we feel love on an emotional level. Okay, so we know love is to desire the highest and best good for the sake of somebody else. Our language is the communication. So typically, we speak the love language that we desire. So typically we speak the love language that we desire. Now this love language uh, body of work is saying, if you don't speak the love language of your person, whether it's your partner, child, just whoever you love and are trying to communicate with, it's like me speaking, I'm English and I'm speaking Spanish and you only understand German. So it's not likely that you're going to connect with me on the same level as if we all speak the same language. So here's the thing is we crave, we absolutely crave connection and we typically retreat from rejection. So we crave connection and we retreat from rejection. So when we feel loved by these significant people in our life, we show up different right? I I don't know a lot of people who, when they are not feeling loved, show up really lovingly. Now, some of you may, and that's a beautiful thing. I know that it's easier for me to show up in ways that are so pleasing to God when I am getting the love that I feel I deserve or I desire, knowing really in my heart that that only can be fully and finally satisfied in and with God. Like, I know that in my head, Um, I don't always live it in my heart. So I believe in terms of these relationships that we have, it's easier to um, build a wall than it is to build a bridge, right? It's easier to build a wall that keeps us away from people when we feel potential rejection on the horizon than it is to build a bridge that we could freely cross over back and forth to give and receive the love that we want. So here's what's fascinating is, it is this genuine human desire that we have. It's a longing. And when we don't feel loved, we feel like something's missing because it is. It's a very normal and natural human desire to feel love and to give love. So here's a quote that says, all human accomplishments that are not motivated by love in the end are empty. So if what we do isn't out of love, it will never yield the same joy, satisfaction, contentment, right? The scripture says that they'll know who we are by our love, right? Our love, which I hope yours is a little bit different than mine. So this book by Gary Chapman, it's crazy insightful. And all you need to do is just consider, consider um, implementing some of it, any of it, a little bit of it in your life. So there's a primary and secondary love language. The primary love language comes more naturally. And the secondary is running kind of behind in the background. And for some of us, it could be really closely behind. However, there's a primary and a secondary. So when it comes to our love language, love is this common thing. Yet it's also a confusing thing because I can't be the only one on this call that believes they're showing love to someone that says, I, I'm not feeling the love. So the first one, words of affirmation. So first I'll just talk about what you would be doing if this is your love language, because first and foremost, let's learn your love language before we try to learn, or you try to learn somebody else's. So if words are, words of affirmation are your love language, then you feel loved when you are complimented, maybe on what you did, what you're wearing, how you look, um, something you've accomplished. You feel loved, supported and encouraged through verbal support, right? Those of you who love words of affirmation might save text messages, notes from people, Something that's a, t- a card that you receive in the mail. You might save those things because they're precious to you because they affirm you in the fact that somebody loves you. So you feel loved when that is happening because the words build you up, right? We've talked in previous webinars that words are a, could be a blessing and a curse, right? The power of our tongue brings life and death. The other side of words of affirmation, and all of these have an upside and a downside. So either you're feeling really loved, or guess what? If that's not happening, you're actually feeling unloved. So lack of affirming, if you're not getting those words of affirmation, or worse, you're getting a lack of it, right? The opposite of it, it it's literally leave, It would leave you feeling like you're not loved. What's so amazing is if you are a person who appreciates words of affirmation, or if someone you love is a words of affirmation person, untapped potential could be brought out. It's maybe it's dormant and it could literally be brought out as a direct result of what you say to that person, to yourself, or somebody says to you. So you have this potential, and someone in your life has the potential to untap something that could be unearthed as a result, and even worse, not not unearthed, if it's not brought into existence. So here's the thing about words of affirmation. It requires empathy, right? Somebody who's giving you words of affirmation, or if you're giving them to someone else, it has to come from a place of empathy. Someone seeing life through the eyes of another, when we are words of affirmation people as our primary love language, we are focused on what people say. Focused on what people say. So here's the thing at my house. Bob is not good. Words of affirmation is, I'd like to think I have five love languages, what everyone else has too. And so words of affirmation might surprise you. It is one of mine. And so Bob just doesn't think of that. So what I do is when I look really cute, I will yell to him from the top of the stairs and say, you're going to want to stop what you're doing right now because I am so cute and you're going to want to tell me how cute I am. And so that usually gets him to respond to giving me the words of affirmation that he probably does think but just wouldn't typically say. Okay, that's number one. Well, before I move on to number two, words of affirmation, the worst thing that we can receive if words of affirmation are our primary love language or the worst thing we could give if it's somebody else's is criticism. Anything that looks or feels like criticism is so hurtful to someone who words of affirmation is their way of feeling loved. Okay, number two, acts of service. So if acts of service are your primary love language, you feel loved when your partner does things to help you. So you love, and it could be your kids. It doesn't have to be your your spouse. It's people you work with. It's people that you, you know, your children, anybody, if they are being thoughtful or assisting you in some way, even when it's something you could do yourself, you feel loved when people are going out of their way to do acts of service for you. Now, What do you think Bob's love language is? This is what I woke up to the other day. My beautiful little coffee there with my Be Still mug and a little note that says, the coffee is made, just push the button. So my man is an acts of service guy. Like he does acts of service and that tells me that that's what he loves, okay? So acts of service are doing things for your person. And here's the other thing. It's doing things they like or them doing things you like because my man will make me coffee. I love that. I don't feel loved when he changes my oil or when he gets gas in my car or when he cleans the toilet. Now anyone on this call might want Bob to come over and do those things for them. I do not feel loved by those things. Okay. So with the acts of service, love language, action speaks louder than words so actions speak louder than words to those people who acts of service matter so the thing about acts of service is when we request to have them done it means more to us than if we demand to have it done right we don't we don't want to have to ask for the things we want them to be done as as a thought for the, from the other person. Like they thought of us in some way and then they did this thing that they did not have to do. Now, here's the way somebody who whose primary love language is acts of uh, service does not feel loved, it's the opposite, is when we ask someone to do something for us and they don't do it right? Like that's the killer. So now I put myself out there. I asked you to do something and that's the primary way you can show you love me. And then you don't do it. So it's the opposite effect. If you don't do what you are asked to do. Okay. Number three, quality time. Let's just shift the quality time. There's nothing that makes you feel more loved than when you get the one-on-one time. So I have four children, as you know, and my oldest son, Carter, uh, before I knew this body of work, he used to always say, like, can we do something today as a family? Just me, you, and dad. Okay, I have four children. So in his, from his perspective, can we just do something as a family, me, you, and dad, was, cl- made it, was very clear then, not very clear to me, it was clear that he was saying, I want quality time. I want one-on-one attention. I want eye contact. I don't want any interruptions. Um, and, And people who have quality time as their primary love language, there's nothing better than someone being present in the present. So you are happiest when you get the presence of somebody. So if quality time is... You want that person to be present with no distraction. So I know that if I'm on my phone, I notice that Bob will make a note, he'll say something about it. And even though we might not even be talking, we might just be doing different things. The reality is, if we're in each other's company, the phone is a distraction. The phone says, This isn't one on one. You're not looking, you're not listening. Nothing takes precedent over the person in the quality time bucket. So undivided attention, focused attention, and quality time does not mean I'm sitting next to you. It means I'm present to you. So close proximity is not enough for the quality time people on this call. They want undivided. So undivided and uninterrupted. And the worst thing for people who who really really feel loved from a place of quality time is long time apart, right? So there's a lot of people right now who quality time is their primary love language and why they become virtual in some way. It is not the same. It is a longing uh, when there's too much time apart. So know that, if you, if you are that person, know that about yourself. If that's your spouse or someone you live with, know that when your ex- extended period of time that you're not together, that person is not and has not felt loved. So the other cool thing about quality time is when we spend quality time, whether it's our primary love language or somebody else's, it provides a memory bank to draw from in the future. So when we really are present, not only physically, I mean in every way, we, we, we create an experience that's not the same if we're doing this while we're present, right? Or multitasking. Like my kids don't say, mom, I remember the time we connected when you were on a phone call making dinner and running to the mailbox while we were having a conversation, right? That's not quality time. Physical touch is my number three, and the, the webinar is number four. So those of you whose primary love language is physical touch, you feel especially loved when you are touched, right? So whether that's a kiss, a hug, a pat, like there's times where I'll say to Bob, like I'm really not a dog, I want a little pat, like a little pat. Um, so I think it's, it's not only the physical touch, but how we're touched, I like to remind some people that we're we're not braille, so that's not how we need to be read, right, like that, like just that kind of touching. We want to be touched in a way that reminds people, hand holding, right, hair stroking, just something that says, I'm here, I'm here with you. So, sitting on the same couch, holding hands, giving a massage, Any of those things could create somebody feeling loved as a result of physical touch. Here's what we know if we're gonna be candid. We know that physical touch can make or break our relationships, right? We know many women respond physically after their emotional needs are met, amen? Yes, so the reality is If we realize that physical touch can make or break it, when we don't get it, we oftentimes retreat because we feel neglected emotionally, so we retreat physically, when maybe physical touch is really the thing that we wanted, which would have created the greater connection. Right? So, physical touch, you feel loved when someone is present in a way that they're literally touching you what's interesting is if you have kids or grandkids again i didn't know this when my kids were little i learned the this body of work when they were a little bit older and it was so obvious like i don't know how i could have missed that i mean typically we love i don't know about you i end up loving everyone the same way because i love people the way i want to be loved And the recognition that I'm not accomplishing the very thing that I set out to do by not loving them the way they want to be loved, it's a complete contradiction. It's giving me more of what I don't want, right? Is that disconnection. So last, five, um, number five, gift giving. So those of you who love gifts, there's nothing better than receiving a thoughtful gift in order to make you feel loved. So gifts, gifts say I have been fussed over. I have been thought of. Maybe I'm even spoiled a little. It doesn't matter the size of the gift necessarily for you gift giving primary love language people. It just means that there's this tangible thing that is a symbol of your love, right? And what's so beautiful is for the gift giving people, the gift of self getting the gift of self from somebody, especially in a difficult time, somebody showing up in in that way can really make you feel loved. So I remember when I had all of my children, I have four children. And so when I was pregnant with the first child, my girlfriend that I worked with said to Bobby, you know, do you know that you're supposed to give a gift when your wife has a baby? So he was like, Oh, I I didn't know that. Like what kind of gift? And she said, Oh, it has to be really big. Like it has to be diamonds and has to be big. Right. So back in those days, we were in a position to do that. And so I had four children in the same hospital. And by the time the fourth child came, the nurses did not even tell me if it was a boy or a girl. They just wanted to see the gift that Bob would be walking in the room with right after the kid came out. Then they were like, what would you get? What'd you get? So some of those were people who loved giving and getting gifts, obviously. So learn. And then my son, um, quiz for his love language. He likes to remind me that his primary love language is gifts. And so almost every time I would leave the house, he would yell like, mom, don't forget. I love gifts. So don't come out. Don't come home without a gift, right? Save your words of affirmation. You don't have to touch me. I'm good. Just bring me something, something. So, so, words of affirmation, acts of service, quality time, physical touch, and gift giving. Those are the five ways that we feel loved. When it comes to love languages, uh, I, I feel like just, it's so necessary to recognize that God speaks our love language. So Gary Chapman has another book, God Speaks Your Love Language. And, and there's actually, this is a series. So it's love language for children, toddlers, teenagers, couples. Um, and then here's the, the God version. So if we're talking about love, God is love, right? So God reveals, God initiates and God is love, right? So with his physical touch, he says, I am who am um. in quality time. We never seek him in vain. He is ever present. His words of affirmation reminding us that we are wonderfully and fearfully made. We are chosen and adopted and forgiven and redeemed. I mean, he's given us the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The greatest act of service was giving us his son. Um, So I love that God speaks our love language if the people in our life don't do a very good job. So. Love language is often expressed by the thing the person criticizes the most. Or in other words, your love language is the thing that you point out the most that people are not giving you. So without it, we feel unloved. Without it, they feel unloved. So if words are verbal affirmation and acts are a surprise, of service that was unexpected, right? And physical touch is some way we have made contact, reminding someone that we love them. And quality time is choosing an activity that they would wanna do. And receiving gifts is taking the time to give something, no matter how small or how big, just the reality. Because if love is to desire the highest and best good, it's more likely that we would want to know what someone's love language is. So for those of us who are not familiar, we might have been doing this wrong all along. And if we haven't, that's a great thing. And if we have, we can know that the same love that does all that, it also covers a multitude of sins. So if we have fallen short, that's okay. It is never too late to try again. So those are your love languages words of affirmation, acts of service, physical touch, quality time, and receiving gifts. Thank you for journeying with Judy on the Journey with Judy webinar. It remains 2020, we pray for greater clarity, greater vision about what's truly important, about how God is at work in our world, in our hearts, in our homes, and in our lives. We continue to pray for peace and love and unity. May God bless you and protect you. And remember, it is never too late to be who God has called you to be.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of Journey with Judy. To learn more about Judy's coaching ministry, receive a complimentary session and other services she offers, visit JudyHair.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please share it with a friend. And remember, it's never too late to be who God called you to be. Looking for exceptional coffee delivered fresh to your door? We have the answer. Our friends at Grim Bean Coffee produce small batch artisan coffee using top tier coffee beans. The coffee is roasted when you order, guaranteeing the freshest coffee possible. Check out Breadbox Roasts, a new line of Catholic themed coffees available at www dot grim dot com forward slash red media experience coffee like never before